Well, hello, Harvest Community Church. So good to be here. If you're a first-time guest, welcome to Harvest. My name is Mike, and it's sermon time. So open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4, we've gotten all the way through three chapters. Feels like we just started. We're in chapter 4. So open up your smartphones, your iPads, your Google Glasses, your paper Bibles. If you've memorized the Bible, turn in your brain to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4, 1 to 20. This is long, huh? Okay, let's start uh, in 1 and go to 9, and then we'll take a break, because it's long. Again, Jesus began, that's the he, to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat, and he sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. I, I never, this isn't in the sermon. This is free. Um, <laughs> this is extra. I never thought about that till looking at that right now. What kind of projection did Jesus have? My goodness, could you imagine? I could see talking to a whole hillside of people, a bunch of people really loud without a PA system, but he was sitting down. Must have used some miracle power to get that out there. That's amazing. Anyway, verse 2. Jesus was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. For those who are younger, maybe not know what that is, a farmer went out to throw seeds. And as he sowed, some fell upon Along the path, birds came and they devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. Verse 6, and when the sun rose, it was scorched since it had no root and it withered away. Now other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and they choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil And it produced grain, growing up, and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear that phrase. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, It's just a call to pay attention to what I just said. Think about it. All right, so this is this is the first big parable in Mark. Parables are stories, right, with a with a meaning to them. This one has a lot of detail, and it would be hard for me to explain it to you, except in this case, Jesus explains this one. Bible study made easy. Jesus tells you the meaning, and he's about to do that. But first, he explains a little bit about parables themselves. Uh, Why do you think Jesus wants to teach people using parables? Um, That's rhetorical. Don't shout out your answer, but think about it. Why do you think Jesus wants to use stories and parables to tell about uh, a parallel truth. Uh, well, parables are memorable. You can normally remember them, right? Um, this one's a little complex. You've got to remember four, uh, I guess, landing spots for seed. You've got to remember a path and then by the road and thorns and good soil. But a lot of them are even shorter, and they're, they're fairly easy to remember, and maybe that's why he does it. Parables always, also bridge, they build a bridge of, a thought between something you're already familiar with and a new idea, right? So all those people there would be familiar with the idea of throwing out seed in order to grow it. 
So they already understand that. So here's the idea Jesus wants them to have, and it's like a bridge that goes from one to the other. Um, So then why does he use parables? Is it to make truths more clear? Well, the answer has to be yes. Has to be yes. But (laughs) is it also to hide truths? And believe it or not, the answer is yes. So the reason Jesus uses parables is to make truths more clear, but it's also to hide them. You say, well, how can that hide them? Anyone ever have to read the book Animal Farm? I did. When I was in high school, I had to read Animal Farm, and I read Animal Farm. I still remember points of Animal Farm, um, and I think some of it's happening in our government right now. Those pigs are standing up, and they're, they're changing the rules, and they're living in houses, and if you haven't read Animal Farm, don't worry about what I'm saying. Just read it. What's the story about these talking farm animals who decide they've had it with a farmer and they run them off and they run the farm? I really enjoyed this story. Most of the stuff they make, made us read in public school was just dreary. <laughs> you, can, you walk away thinking, if I read a book, it's going to be awful, right? You're reading Catcher in the Rye and a separate piece, and when you're done, oh my gosh, it's horrible stuff. Well, this was kind of good. You had talking animals, and I liked it and I understood it. But I had no idea it was about the Russian Revolution. Either my teacher didn't make it clear, or I didn't show up enough at class. (laughs) So later when I get to college, and and after that I learned about communism, I learned about the Russian Revolution, and then I thought about Animal Farm and I went, oh, that's it. Right, there's many people who aren't Christians who uh, read the Narnia Chronicles to their kids or they show them the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe movie and they like the story of the lion and the table and all that stuff and the white witch. They have no idea. They understand the story but in there is the cross and the gospel and they don't see it at all. See, everyone can see the first meaning of a parable. Everyone. They're they're very simple. Anyone can figure out seeds falling on the ground but not everyone can see the true meaning. Just like I could see what Animal Farm was about, I had no idea it was about the Russian Revolution. So I want to summarize this this way. Parables explain the truth to those who know the truth. Isn't that odd? Parables really are for the saved. (laughs) They explain the truth to those who already know it. If I'd known the Russian Revolution when I was reading Animal Farm, I would have went, oh, I know what that is, know what that is, know what that is. So when I did read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I was in college, not a little boy, but I was a Christian now, and I knew exactly what was going on. So parables explain the truth if you already know the truth. But parables hide the truth in plain sight for those who don't. Isn't that odd? So Jesus is going to explain that right here. Verse 10. And when Jesus was alone with the apostles, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And Jesus said this, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But to those outside, everything is in parables. There's insiders and there's outsiders. The apostles and his closest disciples are insiders. I give you the secrets. Those people out there, I don't give them to them. This is odd. This doesn't seem fair. Certainly doesn't seem American. Jesus, be fair. Make sure all of them understand everything. Jesus says, no, I'm not doing that. I'm making sure you understand everything. Those people out there, (laughs) 
And then he quotes the Old Testament prophet and says, and that's Isaiah, that they may see but not perceive. They may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Wow, that's, that's far out. There, there I go with drug talk again. From the 70s. So, he says, look, the, the parables are helpful for you, but for those people, for the large crowds, I'm hiding the truth right in front of them. I'm hiding the truth in plain sight. I'm putting it right in front of them in simple terms, and they can't see it. Question, why would Jesus hide the truth in plain sight? Why would he do that? We'll return to that question at the end of this message. Let's get back into the parable. So Jesus explains the parable. Here it is, verse 13. He said, do you not understand this parable? Then how will you understand any of the parables? So what he's saying to them is, you guys are asking me what that parable meant? You mean I haven't told you enough not yet that you can't figure out my parables? In other words, he thought they should have had more of a knowledge base. Pay attention when I'm speaking to you, he's saying. <laughs> I'm on the boat, I'm teaching you, you're looking at the fish. Pay attention. You're my boys. You know, you, you, don't, you don't get this? Okay, let me break it down for you. And then he breaks it down for them. The sower sows the word. So the seed is the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear it, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So for our note-taking, let's look at the point of the first seed in the parable, the one that falls right on the road or on the path. With the seeds on the path, the issue is lack of understanding. Satan wants to confuse human minds. Again, this is in our map. <laughs> and uh, so with the seeds on the path, I think it's in our map. I could be wrong. Yeah, it is. The issue is lack of understanding. Satan wants to confuse human minds. Here's what you got to get. God communicates in the area of reason and logic and knowledge and truth and understanding. God does not talk to us through osmosis. God does not talk to us through Holy Spirit zapping. Right? God does not give us his truths through essential oils. I love the essential oil ones. I know I'm not against oils. You know, you want oils, people, I get a headache. People thought, you know, put this on your head, Pastor Mike. Boom, and I smell like a peppermint for, you know, fine, fine, if it works good. But they have this one that someone excitedly told me about. This is the essential oil of forgiveness. Any of you ever heard of that? Some of you have heard of it. Tell the truth. It helps you forgive people. Apparently the oil gets into your skin and finds your non-forgiving parts or something in your brain. And... <laughs> Selling it. If I had, I'd give it away. It doesn't work, though. But you know what? As silly as that sounds, you know, there's Christians who neglect the Bible and neglect the intellect and say, I'm going to get Jesus through this next retreat and this next, and the Holy Spirit's just going to take me over. <laughs> but that's not how Jesus works. He works through truth, logic, and reason with your brain. Why? Because He made you, 
He didn't make you an ape or a squirrel or a snail. He knows you, and he made you like him to communicate with truths. And that's how he, he speaks to you. But when that seed hits the path, the first attack for Satan is the area of reason and understanding. So you got, you got people who reject out of hand the gospel. You can tell them the gospel, and, they, and understanding doesn't go in because Satan's already worked on their brains, and they're not going to take it. As soon as you say, Jesus is Lord, they're like, oh, I know one of these is coming. They won't even consider the meaning of the words, Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? Christ died for you. They won't even think about it because Satan's already got to them. So the seed falls right on them. Christ died for sinners like you, dude. You can be saved. I don't, no, no, we're not going there. That's the first seed. 2 Corinthians 4, 3, 3 shows us this truth that's in this parable. In plain language, Paul says, and even if our gospel is veiled, to the, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Some people just come to a decision about Jesus before they listen. Satan's messed with their minds. Have you ever met people who are just bulletproof to the word of God? They see it coming. As soon as you raise the issue, they're like, don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Look, the stakes are very high. Every human soul has a destiny. <laughs> Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, destiny one, or have eternal life. The stakes are very high, and it's a very sad thing indeed when someone thinks the way they should respond to religious talk or talk of Jesus is to push it back. So that's them, though. That's very sad. The thoughts of salvation are dismissed out of hand. The second, verse 16. These are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves. But they endure for a while. For a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So, for our maps, with the seed Sown on the rocky ground, the issue is internalizing and embracing the truth. When the truth causes trouble, there's no perceived loss in letting it go. In other words, they've, they've passed the understanding thing. Oh, I got it. So you're saying Jesus died in my place. Yes. So I don't have to die. No. Because he was innocent and he paid for my sin. Yes. And he's the son of God, so he could be without sin. Right. And if I receive him, I can be saved. Exactly. Well, that's great news. Yes, it is great news. They follow the logic just fine, but they will not internalize it. They understand it, but they don't bring it in. If you bring something into you, it changes your life. If I tell you all about this marvelous ice cream I have, you know, and I could tell you, what, what's the best thing you can put in ice cream besides your teeth? That's an old joke. Um, don't say your teeth. Uh, you know, for some, it's some little, little tiny peanut butter cups. Some, it's some Oreo chunks. And some of you like some fruit. Some of you like some pecans. But let's say I describe the best one you ever had. You logically say, yeah, that's the best one I ever had. But then you don't eat it. You don't take it in. So, they say, well, okay, I'll be a Christian. That sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. And as soon as they find out that being a Christian causes some people in the world to oppose them, 
They say, you know what? I never knew this was part of it. I'm not signing up for that. And they walk away. So the third seed. Others are ones sown among thorns. These are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So this seed is the human who hears the word of God. Well, let me say it like the map. With the seed scattered among the thorns, the issue is priorities. The issue is priorities. The word is true, but is it important? Not compared to other things. <laughs> Not compared to other things. They say, yeah, the word, this, this, you know who falls into this category? See, the, the first category, as soon as they hear it, they run. Second category, they sh- may even show up for church a few times. They say, whoa, this is fun. And then they disappear. I don't need none of that. This category could show up for church their whole life and not know Christ. Because culturally, they're down with it. I understand the logic. I get it. It's true. I like it. My goodness. <laughs> Excuse me a minute. I thought I had this on do not. It is on do not disturb, but the phone rang anyway. Does anyone want to know who just called me on my phone? Big Fred Neal, the executive pastor of Harvest Community Church, just called me on my phone. And you guys who know him, you can talk to him about that. (laughs) Maybe he doesn't like what I'm saying. Maybe he doesn't know what I do for a living. (laughs) So this third one, I tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've met people get this, who come to church at harvest and get saved here and they didn't know they weren't saved when they came. And I'm sure it's not just harvest. I'm sure it's any gospel-loving church. People come to church and after about a year they go, wait a minute. (laughs) Um, You know, I went to church. I was into that. But I bet you there's people come to harvest and they never get it and don't See, you can be culturally Christian, but to, to really receive the gospel is a matter of priorities. What's more valuable to you? Is it important? Yes, but not more important than my career. Is it important? Yes, but not more important than my dating life. Is it important? Yes, but not more important than my addictions. Is it important? Yes, but it's not more important. Fill in the blank. I got things to do. So you get no production out of that. And a seed that doesn't produce, it's not very good. Finally, verse 20, finally the good news, save for last. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, they accept the word, and they bear fruit. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Okay, for our map. With the seed falling on good soil, the issue is value. They understand the message and they value it according to what it's worth. Right? There is no other concern except to act on the word. As the seed that falls into the soil that has no stones, no weeds, no birds eating it up, nothing will happen except growth. So this is the person who converts, who changes, who is born again, who becomes a Christian, who starts saying, I was saved, (laughs) 
right? This is the person who changes. Why? Because they heard a message. You just heard a message? Yeah. But once I heard this message, (laughs) I realized that's the most valuable thing in my life. And what's that lead to? According to the parable, it leads to life within and obviously life growing without. Matthew 13 has a very short parable that says something similar. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. I love this parable. I've I've, I've preached it many times. Whenever I can, I, I like to repeat it. It is the old, old story. You got a merchant. He buy, merchants buy things and sell them for a higher price. They're the guy in the middle. They don't make it, and they don't buy it. They just pass it through and take the profit as it goes by. So this guy's a merchant. He buys pearls, and he sells pearls. That's how he makes his living. And then when he's done, he goes buy something else. He buys a boat. He buys a jet ski. Although back then, they didn't have jet skis. He thinks about buying jet skis, waiting for someone to invent them, and buys the fastest chariot he can find. Pearls are a commodity to this man. Yeah, they're beautiful and all that crud. It doesn't really matter as long as they bring in the the green. So then he sees one, and it changes his life. Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. Look at this. There's nothing like that in the world. How much? I can't afford that unless I liquidate all the money I have, sell all my inventory sell my chariots, sell my house, sell my fine clothes, sell my diamond rings. If I sell everything I have, I'll just have enough to buy it. Okay, I'm doing it. And he does it. And what's he have? A pearl. What a wild story. He just got one pearl that no one can afford to buy, probably. But he's happy because he found the treasure. These are the ones who are born again. Think of your own life. Do you remember when Christ found you and you found Christ? He's worth everything. Well, now that I've, well, this changes everything, (laughs) right? How many of you can say amen that that happened to you before? Not that many. Hopefully more by the time we're done. Okay, four quick observations about the text. One, the word is potent and sent to do something in the soul of a human being. The word of God is powerful. It's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of your soul and your spirit, joint and marrow, able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The the word is like a, a, a hammer that crushes a rock. It is like a consuming fire. The word is like the rain that comes down and brings up a crop. It never ceases to accomplish what it's sent for. In this parable, nothing is wrong with the seed. Not on the path, not on the, on the side of the road, not in the thorns. There's no problem with the seed. The seed is powerful. The issue is the person receiving it. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power that saved my wretched hind parts. That's the power to save you. The word is powerful. 
Second observation, it is within the power of all people to determine how they will receive the word of God. Unlike the ground, you have a choice when you hear the word. You can choose to put down your defenses and listen. You can choose to think about it. You can choose to weigh its value, and then you can choose whether or not. In other words, whether the powerful word does any work in your life depends on you, the listener. Depends on you, the listener. God makes some sort of contract (laughs) between him and you. I have the power to save you and give you the word. Make sure it lands in a good spot. Third observation The word is broadcast far and wide with no thought given to the soil. What a a wild thing. Now, we don't farm like that today. We're much more precise, but um, there are certain things you might farm like that where you throw the seed out. But back then, it was much more common, and some of it's going to land where it's not going to be any good. All the earth is to be covered with the word of God regardless of the receptivity of the people hearing it. What does this mean? One, it means the, this message isn't just for the people in these rooms hearing my voice. Right? This message isn't just for you. This message is for the criminals. This message is for the addicts. This message is for prostitutes. This message is for the bankers and the lawyers and the old grannies that aren't going to church. The message is for the mean kid at school and the stupid kid at school. And I don't know who he is. But if you go to school, you already know who it is. The message is for everybody. The the, the seed falls on all different grounds. Missions, evangelism, it's all necessary. Fourth, a person's relationship with God is determined by his relationship with God's word. Again, we're not dealing, I often feel great about God. I often don't feel a doggone thing. I like singing before a sermon because that's some of my best prayer time. Uh, You guys probably, those of you going to church that probably don't know this about me, I'm going to reveal a secret. I'm easily distracted. (laughs) And there's, now some people may or may not like this, but something helpful to me about loud music. And I'm singing the words, next thing you know, I'm thinking about them, next thing you know, I'm praying. Sometimes I'm praying for some of you by name, sometimes I'm praying for myself, sometimes I'm praising God, sometimes I'm praying for people that I know, but I am feeling it. And then sometimes I feel empty and faithless, and don't feel anything. You don't relate to God through your feelings. Feelings matter, but they're weak. <laughs> sometimes they cooperate, sometimes they don't. But you relate to God through His Word. Through your brain. Your mind never stops being the access point by which you relate to God. Never. Never. One of the most difficult Deceptions put on people. Sometimes they think, 
Well, if you let me lay hands on you, something special is going to happen to you, and you'll have superpower from the Holy Spirit. Look, I'm for laying on hands on people. I'm for praying, and I'm for the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you something. That Holy Spirit, when he comes in, he doesn't go around the Word of God. What he does is he takes the Word of God, and he illuminates it in your brain. But if you have zero Word of God in your brain, it don't work. The way you know God is to know his Word. The Bible is the very word of God, and it is the point of access to God. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus is returning again. That's an important message. Do you know where we learned it? How many of you were there when he died? (laughs) Nobody? How do you know it happened? Because we have the word of God. There's a theological term that's sometimes misused called inspiration. We use it in another way, not theological. Like I was inspired and I bought you a gift. I'd like all of you, by the way, to get inspired to buy me a gift. Now that I think of it, it's a terrific idea. Actually, I'm gonna put that in my prayer time for you. Um, But that's not the way the word inspired is used theologically. It, it It means that God is saying it. So the Bible is inspired. There's another theological word, and it's illumine. It means to shine a light. And the way it works for you, Christian brothers and sisters, is when you study the word and understand it, or a lost person who hears the word and gets it on the good soil, the Holy Spirit's job is to illumine it. it puts light on it. You ever? How many of you have read a text, a verse from the Bible maybe, and Part of it just jumps out at you, like it jumps right off the page, into your eyes, and right down your heart. Any, ever that happened to you? Maybe you've read a text that you've read before, and you're like, hey, I never saw that. It's the Holy Spirit is illumining. But if you don't read the Word, there's nothing to illumine. Well, I can just talk to the Holy Spirit. You can, but you're not going to hear Him that way. God relates to us through His Word. There's not another way given in the Bible If there is, I'd like to see it. You'd say, well, an angel could show up and talk. Yes, if an angel shows up and talks to you and says, God said, then what's happening? You're relating to God through what? His word. There are visions in the Bible and God talks. Yes, there are visions and God does what? Talks. So you got to get over this idea you're going to be zapped into spiritual growth. It doesn't happen. Okay, application. (laughs) Boy, this is going good, right? We're already... (laughs) Two ways to apply this. One is for salvation and one's for daily living. For salvation, look, the relationship with God is defined with how you receive the news of his son. You may be hearing my voice here or in any of our campuses or in the jail because this message goes to the jail, for those of you who don't know it, uh, with humans... And you could, do you, do you, are you listening? Or do you have your defense mechanism up? My family member dragged me here, and I'm humoring him, but you're just another one of those. All he wants is our money, I'm sure of it. By the way, I would personally love to have your money. So, if that's what you're thinking, you're right. I want your money. So here's what we're going to do. Don't put it in that basket, because they don't give me that. What I'd like you to do is meet me after church and write me a check. I just want your money. I don't get it. What do I look like? Joel Osteen? They don't give me the money. 
I want to go and say, did you count it? Yes, give me my cut. They don't do that. If they did, I'd preach like Joel Osteen. (laughs) You can be blessed if you'll just put the money in there. If they gave me a cut. But is that you? You have your defense mechanism, your smoke screen. I believe in science. I don't got to listen to you. You're all a bunch of BSers. You're no better than the rest of us. Whatever. You know what's happening? You're in this parable. You're the one on the path. And it's your fault. It's not God's fault. Is that you? Or maybe you're the one who says, no, this is good news. Every time I come to church, I like it. But it never changes your life. And if it ever costs you anything, you don't do it. It's not having any fruit. It's not having any effect. You don't know Jesus. And it's your fault, and you can change that. Maybe you do buy it. I understand it. And I've counted the cost, and I'm not willing to pay it. Listen, your soul is on the line. Jesus is the great treasure that you've been looking for. Yeah, he'll cost you everything. But you lose nothing, because the creator of the world is giving you himself. You say, but I really like this, doing this over here brings me pleasure. Who do you think invented that over there? Gambling? Probably the devil. Yeah, but how about the love of treasure? Who created that? God. So you would love heavenly treasure. Well, I really like sex with just everything I see. Well, who do you think created pleasure in sex? What is it you like that you don't think God could satisfy times one billion? Jesus Christ died for sinners like you. Receive that word. Deep and let it change you. But now I know I'm speaking in church where I intend to speak. And I know most of you already say, yep, I'm already there, brother. I guess this message wasn't for me. Next time, tell me when you're not going to preach a message for me and I'll leave. But actually, when you think about the principles Jesus puts in here, there's something for you every single day, isn't there? What do I mean by that? Look, you're born again by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You heard the message, you believed the message. The Holy Spirit helped you believe and he gave you faith and you responded in faith and now you're saved. You're born again. The Holy Spirit gave you new life. That life is in you. However, you're not just born again by faith, but you are to continue by the word of God by faith. In other words, you're shaped by the word of God. The word of God, you are constantly being transformed into the image of God. You are trying to produce what God wants produced on the earth through you. You're pushing his kingdom forward. If you progress with him, and the way you progress with him is the same way you got saved. By grace, through faith, in his word. You with me? If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Okay, I heard that. It's hard to see nodding heads from here. God uses word to prune you. The Bible says, to the one who bears fruit, Jesus says in John 14, he prunes. Now imagine you're bearing a little fruit for Jesus, you're getting started, the things are working out, you're obeying, and you see the master coming at you with these things, right? <laughs> I'm your little plant, I'm, your, I'm bearing a little fruit, and he's coming to prune me, and what's he got? These big clippers. No, that's the way you prune. 
He prunes with his word. He prunes with his word. He guides with his word. He comforts with his word. He uses his word. As a believer, Pastor Kevin, the campus pastor in Catanning, um, who's not here right now, but who the last few weeks he's been starting the sermon saying, listen, I want everyone to stop and think, I really want you to pray that God will make the, his word sink into your heart. And I've loved that prayer, especially because I knew this parable was coming. <laughs> and it was all I could do not to tell you this parable before I was supposed to. Because what he's saying is, get your heart so it's not a, a, a road or a roadside or a thorn patch. Man, soften that baby up. Turn over the fallow ground, the hard ground. Pull out the weeds. Get ready to hear. God wants to talk to you. You got, when you decide to come to church today, do you realize God want to talk to you? You personally. He wants to talk to you personally. He wants you to apply this in a way that the pastor doesn't even know and can't even think about. Because his spirit wants to take the word that you've heard and on hearing, as I'm going to read some more to you, and he wants to do something to you. He wants to talk to you. The word will not do nothing if you take it in. I ain't going to work on me. I ain't feeling it today, Pastor. Well, I'm going to get to that. In order to hear and read the word in a way that it grows, what do you think we got to do? I think in the best way to say it is you got to keep short accounts with Jesus and other people first, right? So you, you sin lately, just say you're sorry. Tell God. He's already forgiven you in the, in, the, in the cross. Change. Keep clean accounts with your fellow man. Keep bitterness and anger and hatred out of your heart. Come to the Bible ready to hear. I'd like to get back to the question I left hanging why would Jesus hide the truth? Why would he use parables? Parables help people who already know the truth. Did you get that? They only help people who already know the truth. They do not help people who do not know the truth unless you explain the truth separately to them. Got it? So they're a two-edged sword. They bear the truth. The apostles are going, oh, that makes sense and I won't forget it. And there's people in the crowd going, I think that was a seminar on farming. Maybe he works for a Home Depot on the side. I don't know why he said that. Why would he hide the truth? There's a principle in the New Testament and in the Old. It goes all the way through the Bible, and it's true in your life. I'm going to read it to you from Matthew chapter 13, verse 12 and 13. Here it is. Jesus says, For to the one who has, more will be given. And he'll have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This does not, this is not Bernie Sanders' message. No, it doesn't even sound like it. Bernie Sanders' message is, you don't have it, we'll give it to you. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, you got a little? Yeah. We're going to take that away from you and give it to this guy who has a lot. That's what he's saying. To the one who has, we're going to give some more. (laughs) Wow. You got an abundance? We're going to take from the one who doesn't have an abundance and give it to you. That's the principle. And it works in your life. 
Jesus says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now in the big picture, Jesus came to Israel as its Savior. He had been teaching plainly. He'd been teaching the people. But they weren't believing him. Some were. The ones who were, he explained it. But at a certain point, he turned almost to just parables. Why? Because I already told you the truth and you didn't listen. So now I'm just going to give you stories. I'm going to tell you the truth right out and you're not going to see it. Now, it's sad for people who are lost because you could think, my goodness, there's going to be lost people who one day stand before the Lord and say, you told me over and over again and I wouldn't listen. But the principle, it works also for the saved. It works also for the saved. Because the princ- if, if you don't receive and act on the word given you, you don't get anymore. I, so many times... And, and I see this from the outside because I'm a pastor and everyone brings their stuff to the church. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying I'm immune from these same things. And when there are examples of my life, I try to tell you because I know I'm just as bad a sinner as anyone. But here's something. So many times I will see people saying, I'm calling out to God because right now I hurt, things aren't going right, blah, 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 blah. And I know their lives, that they've been in church and they know the gospel and they've known the truth and they have not been obeying. They've been loving the world. They've been playing with sin. They haven't been doing right. And now when it hurts, they say, how come I can't get more of God? Because he gave you some and you didn't use it. So now what little you do have, he's taking it away. Now, if you're saved, you're still saved, but you're miserable. Do you want more of God? You do. You wouldn't sit through a sermon if you didn't. Why why come to church? You want more of God. You were made to want more of God. And you got saved because you wanted more of God. Satan would have you believe you can't have no more. It's as good as it gets. He's a liar. But you've got to use what you have first. Let me ask you a question. Search your own heart. Is it possible in your life that your growth in understanding God, your growth in experiencing God, your growth in knowing what God wants, your growth in joy in God has been limited, stunted, because you're not obeying what you already know? John 13, 17, Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. (laughs) That never stops being true. People want to know, I really just want to know what God wants of me. Yeah, well, the way you talk to your wife, you already know he doesn't like. You're not working on that, but you want to know if he wants you to be a missionary. Why would he answer this when you're not taking care of that? You love money. You love money. You won't give to God and and you just love money. He told you, don't do that. I just don't know why I can't find joy in my life. I live a clean life. Well, he said, (laughs) don't love money. And you didn't do that. You know, I don't want to talk about that. I want to go deeper with him. There ain't no deeper. 
The principle is always the true. The, the same, the, to the one who does, he gets more. Do you want more God? Do what you know. If you're lost, I want to talk to you one more time. If you don't know Christ as Savior, then what hope, what, what do you hope to gain from God? In any, what blessing would you like from heaven? You can have it, <laughs> probably. I don't know what it is, unless it's really stupid. I want a beer truck to be planted outside my house, and they tell me it's yours for free. Okay, that's just a moron, but if you have real hopes, inner peace, <laughs> the joy and hope of God, if you'll submit to what you already have been told, Jesus Christ is Lord, you will have it. But you've got to start there. And by Lord, it means, Lord means king, boss, master, figure it out. It means he's God, which means you're going to bow. And you're going to say, I'm a sinner. And you're going to receive him. And that'll open the floodgates for the rest. For the believers, is your joy lost? Your joy in Christ? Have you don't know which way to go? Don't look for a new word. Not yet. Maybe you do need one. Maybe, maybe you've been obeying everything God give, has given you and he really does. God can do that. He can put you and say, wait. He loves to say, wait. I'm doing everything he said. I know, I still want you to wait because he's got another plan. But before you get to that, stop and think, is there anything that he's already said that I don't pay any attention to at all? Read with a desire to let the Bible sink in deep. One verse that you pay close attention to and say, well, try this, this week. Pick one stinking verse out of the Bible. Not the verses stink, but you know what I mean. Don't bite off so much that you're a superstar of Bible study. Just pick one. And just say, God, whatever this says, I'm gonna eat it, I'm gonna chew on it, I'm gonna think about it, Put it deep in my heart with the intention of doing it. Just start there. And when you hear the word preached, if you listen to this word preached, or if you're listening to a, a good sermon on the podcast, do it in a way that you want to gain treasure from God. Say in your mind, preacher, you better give me the word of God because I want some treasure. I don't want none of your clever tricks or your stupid stories. I want the doggone word of God. Give it to me. Can I get an amen? Um, what does Jesus want us to see today in this parable? I think that's what he wants us to see because most of us are saved, right? So I'm going to do that in my life. I'm inviting you to do that in yours. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.